Hello and welcome to the Greenfield Baptist Sermons Podcast. Each week we will be uploading the Focus Scripture and Sermon from Greenfield Baptist Church in Northeast Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us and enjoy. Lord, thank you for this morning. Thank you for some joyful music, joyful opportunity to worship you. Thank you for bringing us together and allowing us to worship you in a a powerful way. May we sense the victory in our faith. Lord, as we look at your word this morning, I pray it would be strong and powerful. Remind us of the people you have decided and want for us to be. Challenge us in those areas where we have fallen short. Encourage us to pursue the things that are good. May we live this life worthy of the call you have placed on each one of our hearts. Lord, we are thankful to be together this morning. Thankful for new friends and new connections. Thankful for old friends and confidants. Lord, bless our time together. In your name we pray. Amen. We have made it to the end of 1 Timothy. And I want to share with you the last 11 verses. Or maybe only 10 verses. Either way. I'm not real good at math. It's something like that. 1 Timothy 6, 11 through 21. But you, man of God, flee all of this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you were when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. In the sight of God who gives life to everything and of Christ Jesus who will be testifying before Pontius Pilate made the good com- uh, confession. I charge you to keep this command without spot or blame until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ which God will bring about in his own time. God, the blessed and only ruler, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, who alone is immortal and who lives in unapproachable light, whom none has seen or can see, to him be honor and might forever. Amen. Command those who are rich in, the present, in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good and to, and to be rich in good deeds and to be generous, willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves on a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Timothy, guard what has been entrusted to your care. Turn away from godless chatter and opposing ideas of what is falsely called knowledge, which some have professed, and in doing so have departed from the faith. Grace be with you all. May God add his blessing to this word as we continue singing this morning. Good morning. Thank you for the sacrifice of Jesus on that cross. 
Thank you for the assurance that if we call upon his name, our life will be changed. Thank you for the salvation you give and the difference it makes in our life. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> That's a good sound. I do have a public service announcement, so you need to listen carefully. Little Bucky, I know you don't know who that is. Big Bucky lives next door. Little Bucky is a button buck who has taken up residence just across the cemetery. And Little Bucky has decided that those shrubs need eaten right here. And... Now listen, this is, this is little Bucky that I'm going to shoot in a couple years if you don't hit him. <laughs> All right, so let's clear this up. Let's get that clear. I, I'm telling you this because we almost hit him twice last week. What he does is he sneaks up against the, legitimately against the, the concrete blocks, and he hides in there, and he eats the, he's eating the shrubs like crazy. You can see the tracks. But then he doesn't move until you get within about 10 feet of the car. And then he pops out, and if you're not, I mean, who thinks there's anything is going to, we were talking about a deer crossing sign, but people would laugh us out of the park. But legitimately, he almost got hit twi- twice last week because he was up against this, the thing, and he just, and as soon as you get within 10 feet, he goes, and he crosses the thing to get out of the way, but then he, because he wants to come back. So when you leave today, or when you're here during the week, just be careful, because I'm sure in a couple weeks when the snow is melted and he can get somewhere other than... Uh, behind the barn, he'll he'll be out. But it's been really funny. But legitimately, almost got hit Wednesday, and he got hit almost got hit Monday. And so and he so this morning they plowed at six o'clock. They plowed. I come in, turn on the lights, and he's. I think he wants to come to church. He's looking in the window. <laughs> he's standing right out there looking in the window. And Norm went out and cleaned off the thing, and he just kind of walked into the cemetery. He has no real fear and. I don't want him to get hit, so in, in all seriousness, I don't want you to smash up your car in the church parking lot. That would be like a farmer's insurance uh, commercial going bad. <laughs> so, <laughs> so just be careful when you're going on, and, and it's, we've only seen him like right here. That's the only spot we see him, uh, so, uh, but he's, he's pretty regular out there. So all that being said, uh, be careful. So we're in our last week, our last day of the leadership uh, series in First Timothy and looking at um, what Paul had to tell uh, Timothy. And we actually went uh, seven weeks and not six. Um, but I thought it was important to grab uh, this second half of First Timothy 6 and to really get a hold of uh, what Paul is reminding Timothy. And, and for us this morning... There are, to me, three questions that Paul is asking Timothy to answer, and I'm going to ask you to answer the same questions. <clears throat> there's a, by the way, there's a lot of action words in 11 through 21, tons of action words, verb after verb after verb. So there are three questions that I want to ask you as we finish up this leadership. So we've heard a lot about leadership, a lot about what God expects of us as leaders, leaders in our families, leaders uh, in our uh, oper- uh, where we work, leaders at the church, maybe leaders at different uh, areas in the community, leadership in all different places. 
And Paul tells Timothy, this young man of the faith, these are the things you need to understand. These are the basics to get you pointed in the right direction. And then he leaves Timothy with this, <coughs> excuse me, this chunk of flee this and pursue that. And so that's where we're going to start this morning, question number one. Are you fleeing this and pursuing that? Now let me ask you about fleeing. See, there's a lot of opportunities for us to flee. There, we know there are things in our life that aren't good, things that we shouldn't be doing. Let me give you an example. If you're an alcoholic, you shouldn't be at the bar. Whether you're drinking or not, it's not a good place for you to be. If you're in a relationship that's bad, you need to be away from that. If you have issues with people that you can't sort out, you need to keep some a safe space. If you struggle with things like porn, this is the last place you need to be. It just it puts things in your fingertips. See, I think all too often... We struggled not to flee from the things we know we need not do. And then we wonder why we get sucked in to that sin. We know there are people in our life that aren't healthy for us. And we refuse to walk away, to keep a safe distance. And then we wonder why do I get sucked into those arguments? Why does that group of kids that, you know, we always say that one bad apple uh, overturns the cart or, or rottens, rots the whole uh, bushel of apples. But we understand that when we put ourselves in those spots and something happens that's not good, we have nothing to do but ask ourselves, why do we put ourselves in that spot? We quickly want to blame someone else. Well, if I wasn't this other person or if I wasn't... Flee. You know what flee means? Get out. Get away. Do you remember Joseph in the Old Testament? He ran into whose wife? This Potiphar's wife, right? He ran into Potiphar's wife and he was and what happened? Yeah, she yeah, she got too chummy, right? And it would have been easy for him to just put it off. And say, well, you know, I'll just keep my safe distance. I'll just keep a little space. It'll be okay. I mean, it's Potiphar's wife. and No, he needed to flee, to run, to get away. And Paul tells Timothy, get away from the things that are holding you back. Get away from the love of the world. He talks about... A lot of things in the first six chapters. Get away from those things that are causing you sin, that are causing you... I think one of the challenges of our day and time is that everything is at our fingertips. And so we struggle because it's like, well, I have to go to work. Well, maybe you don't have to go to work there. There's a funny uh, quote in the office that says, well, go the other way, man, right? You don't have to drive by something that tempts you. You can go the other way. 
But all too often, we, we test ourselves. It's, like it's like a game that we know we're going to lose, and then we wonder why we lose. Don't put yourself in the spot. Flee the things of the world. And Paul tells Timothy, flee the things of the world and pursue righteousness and godliness and faith and love and steadfastness and gentleness. Get rid of those things of the world and pursue these things. Paul loved lists. <laughs> he, always, he loved to build a big list, and he's like, all right, let me put these out in front of you. So let's talk about them for a minute. What does righteousness look like? This is when you guys talk back to me. Help me. But you, man of God, pursue righteousness. What does it mean to be righteous? Fair? Be right in the eyes of God. Thank you, Kim. Exactly. Be right in the eyes of God. If you're not right in the eyes of God, you know it. If you're a believer in Christ, there's a, what we, the Holy Spirit will direct your path. Be right in the eyes of God. Live your life with a clear conscience, understanding what God expects from you. How about godliness? What does it mean to be godly? Oh, sorry, I'm behind. I wanted to give you this verse. It says uh, in 1 Peter 2.14, He himself bore our sins in, in his body on the tree so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. Righteousness begins with a relationship with Jesus Christ. You're not going to do it on your own. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you are not going to have righteousness. And that's where it begins. Understanding that he went to the cross, he died for us. By his wounds, we have been healed. Righteousness. How about holiness or godliness? What does that look like? Pursue godliness. Be holy as he is holy? Yes. Anyone else? Set apart, thank you. Conforming to God's law, right? Basing our life on here. And when we read a scripture that doesn't line up with our life, we don't throw it out <laughs> like it doesn't exist. We don't read past it without asking ourselves the hard questions. We take the time and energy. When someone challenges us in our faith, we have two choices to make. We can get defensive and angry that someone saw something that wasn't good in our life. Or we can begin to ask ourselves the question, do I need to make an adjustment there? Do I need to make an adjustment to be closer to God? How about faith? Pursue faith. What does it mean to pursue faith? What do you think? What does Scripture tell us about faith? All right, you all have homework. What's that? Ah, thank you, Kim. You all have homework. I'm going to tell you what it is right now. Read Hebrews 11, the hall of faith, or the chapter of faith. 
And what's at the end of that chapter is what Kim said, and I'll show that to you. Faith is this. The definition is this. It's confidence in what we hope for and assurance in what we do not see. Sometimes we like to believe that our faith is stronger than it really is. We like to believe that we have strong faith. We like to believe that we are resting solely on that faith in our life. And yet we struggle with understanding and being assured of the things we cannot see. He says, oops, I didn't want to go that far yet. He says, pursue love. What does pursuing love look like? It's, come on, it's Valentine's Day, gentlemen. Here's your opportunity. What does it mean to pursue love? To give love? Being truthful? Thank you, that's, that's a good one. Those were, neither one of those were guys, though. Come on, guys. Intending on purpose, right? Being intentional, right? One of the things we're learning in our Sunday school class is that um, a good marriage is work. And it's very much uh, set in front of us that we need to continue to work at our marriage. No matter whether you're in your first year, your 10th year, your 30th year, or your 50th year. Being intentional. And it's going to be work. And I, like I tell lots of couples when I, when I do marriage counseling. It's good work. Make it good work. Here's what the message says in uh, 1 Corinthians 14. And I like this. I know it's going to be really hard to read. It says, go after a life of love as if your life depended on it. Because it does. Did you hear that? Go after a life of love as if your life depended on it. Because it does. And give yourselves to the gifts God gives you. That's, that's the message. That's a more of a commentary, not, uh, or not word for word in the Scripture. But it gives me... It, I liked it because it gave me a good understanding of the way I need to love. See, I thought a lot of times we love conditionally. We want to love if it's comfortable. We want to love if it works for us. If there's a benefit for me, what's in it for me? I'll love you if, if that works. How about endurance? What does it mean to, to love or to uh, pursue endurance? What's endurance? Where's, where's my runners? I was going to ask. Carol Crandall's not here, but she runs like this thing that's like 50 miles long. Yeah, Dan Schumach, how long? 800 miles. Do you think it's going to take much endurance to get there, Dan? <laughs> 800 miles, Dan's walking. If you haven't talked to him or haven't had a chance to pray with him, uh, I, I encourage you before he leaves this morning, he's leaving after, after Sunday school. He's leaving to go to Syracuse and then flying to uh, Arizona, right? And then going to the Mexi from the Mexican border to the Utah border, 800 miles. Pray for Dan's ministry. See, what you may not know is that Dan feels most at home, most comfortable, most close to God on a trail all by himself. 
And, I, and I'll just give you just a little clue of what that means. Because for Dan, he knows he's going to come across someone. And there's a divine appointments in that process. And we have prayed many times with Dan for people he has come across uh, on the trail who need to hear God, hear about the love of Jesus. And Dan's going two weeks early, and he has no idea why. Um, we don't know why either, but I promise you that if you ask him or if you follow him on Facebook, you'll find out there's a reason Dan's leaving two weeks early. We don't know what that is. But God will use Dan, and what will it take you, Dan? Two months-ish, two months. So Dan's, Dan's going to smell really bad by the end of two months, right, Dan? <laughs> He'll be hot and sweaty, and he's going to go do ministry. He likes to call it uh, walking ministry. And he's got some really cool opportunities. He's going through the, he's going through Grand, the Grand Canyon. Uh, that's part of the walk. It's just a really cool opportunity for Dan to share his faith. That's endurance. It's going to take a lot of endurance for Dan to go uh, 800 miles. And it's not a done deal, is it, Dan? We've had, we've had some feet issues at times. Um, he's had some health issues um, there's no promises in that, and yet Dan's going out um, to run the race of endurance. I'm excited for him. I'm excited to see where God leads that. Finally, Paul says, pursue gentleness. Pursue gentleness. What does gentleness look like? Does it look like that? Aw, nice little kitty who chews my arm off. <laughs> right? I, I found this one. There were lots of nice pictures, but I thought this one was the, probably the most appropriate. In Proverbs, it tells us a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. I wonder how often the Christian faith has been tainted when we respond in anger rather than gentleness. When we pursue God in gentleness, it makes a difference in the situation. How many times have we gone into a situation not knowing what it was going to look like? We have two choices. Go in with our teeth bared and our claws out. Or go with humility and see what happens. Paul says to Timothy, pursue gentleness. As a pastor, he needed to pursue gentleness when he was dealing with people. We looked at those six words. Are you pursuing, are you fleeing the things of the world and pursuing the things that God has put in front of you? I don't have the answer, but it sure is a good question to ask ourselves. Second, are you willing to fight for your faith? Are you willing to stand up and fight for your faith? Now, you know, we, we, the first thing when I say that is, are you willing to fight for your faith? We think, well, give me a sword, give me an AR, give me some boxing gloves, give me something to be able to beat somebody up with. 
And all too often in the Christian faith, we're more than ready to judge those who are struggling. More than probably we need to be. So we have a choice. We have a choice. We can fight, flight, or freeze, right? Which is, I'm going to swing at you, I'm going to run away, or I'm emotionally going to shut down and not do anything. Or we can fight like a good Christian on our knees, taking our struggles to God. Are you fighting the battles of faith the right way? Are you saying what needs to be said? Are you sharing your faith, understanding that God will take care of the problems? Are you fighting for your faith? All too often, I think we're willing to just back down and give up. We're willing to believe that something's never going to change. It's just going to be that way. Rather than taking it to God and asking Him to fight our battles. There's a story in Matthew 17. A story about a demon-possessed boy. You may remember it. The disciples were there. And this young man was demon-possessed. And they tried to pray that demon out of this young man. Remember that story? And Jesus comes along. And what happens? Remember? He prays that, he, he takes that demon out of that young man. And they say, why couldn't we take the demon out? Why couldn't we drive the demon out? What was wrong with our prayers? And Jesus said, well, one, you lack faith. This is what he says in verse 20. Because you have so little faith. Truly, I tell you, if you had faith as small as a mustard seed, and you said, move this mountain, the mountain would move, and nothing would be impossible for you. Nothing would be impossible for you. And then he goes on, and it's not on this verse right there, but he says, some demons are only removed by prayer and fasting. That's in like the last step. The question I have for you is, which shirt are you putting on? There's one thing I've learned over the last 10 years. It's that it's not as easy to have faith and to live out that faith as it was when I first started here. It is not as easy to get up every day because it's not as cozy as it once was. And yet, that doesn't mean we don't have a responsibility to put on the faith shirt every single day. 
If we look at the statistics across the world, do you know where Christianity is growing the fastest? Anyone? China. That's pretty odd, is it? Does anybody know what Christianity looks like in China? It's illegal. It's illegal. It's against the law in China to be a Christian. Our missionaries that are in China, they aren't missionaries uh, like we, they are missionaries under the auspice of usually uh, teachers uh, or business owners. There are reasons they're there, but it's not as Christians. The underground church in China is growing by leaps and bounds. And it's not even legal. Maybe, uh, maybe we should take a little bit of, of advice from the way the Chinese do it and understand that it's not going to be easy. I think we've had it way too easy. It's part of the problem. It's part of the problem in our faith in the, in the society today. It's way too easy. Whether you come to church or you don't come to church, whether you're involved, whether you share your faith, whether you don't share your faith, it's not life and death. It's not even illegal to meet at Greenfield Baptist Church on Sunday morning. There's something to be learned in that. Finally, Paul asks Timothy, or tells Timothy, to be generous. To be generous with what he had. And I have a question for you. Are you generous to a fault? The scripture says, what, if you're rich, give, right? Let me ask you what rich looks like today. Do you remember what it said last week when he was talking about being rich? What did it say last week? Remember? Did anybody here last week? Okay, just checking. It said if you have food... And what? Food and clothes. If you were here at the chili cook-off, you know there was plenty of food. Food and clothes. You're rich. If you have food and clothes, you're rich. Be generous with God, what God has given you. all too easy to hold tightly to every last thing we have. Squeezing out the last penny. And not being generous. Paul tells Timothy, do good, be rich in good works, be generous. And be ready to share. I'll ask you, how often when given the opportunity to share of what God has given you, are you ready and willing to share those things? How easy is that? It may be a stretch. I, I honestly believe that some people are gifted in that way better than others. Some people are more than willing to give. I have... I have a friend who, she would give you anything. If you were at her house and you needed something, or even if you didn't need it and you wanted it, 
she didn't hold on to anything. She's like, yep, if you need it, take it. Not even a question. Doesn't even think twice about it. Even if it had a detriment to her own life. Are you willing to be generous? And see, I know because in my own life, I have watched myself struggle at times with being generous. That the Holy Spirit nudges and gives those opportunities. Years ago, we went to Cleveland for a weekend uh, just to get away. And we were walking to the hotel. And it was, I don't even know if it was Valentine's Day. I know it was cold. I know that it was late, late winter. And a couple came up to us and asked for money. Didn't ask for a lot of money. They just asked if we had money. And they were homeless. And I, and I, sat, I stood there and I was like, <clears throat> and I'm trying to justify giving that money. Is it the best choice to do? Is it right to do this? Just give it to them and they'll not rob us. I don't know. You know I don't know what's going to happen. We're out on the street. Do I want to let this bother my weekend away with my wife? Do I, you know, all these things are going through in my mind over 10 or 20 bucks. I don't even remember at this point. But I knew that God was nudging me in a direction to like, just trust that whatever's going to happen, I will take care of you. And I can promise you that that 10 or $20, whatever, seven or eight years ago, has had no bearing, no bearing on my life financially. But it has had a big bearing on understanding that God wants me to be generous. Because I had to come to the point where I realized that I'm on like the 11th floor of this awesome hotel with my wife for the weekend. I don't know. We went to a concert or something. I don't even remember what we were doing. And that God was reminding me, dude, you're, you, you have plenty. You have plenty. Be generous. I don't know what they did with that money. They said they were going to eat. Who knows? I don't know. And you know what? At the end of the day, it's not my, it's not my issue. It's not my concern what they did with that money. They have to answer for that. And if I really believe that God has given me and it owns everything on a thousand hills, right? It says he owns a cattle on a thousand hills in the Psalms. If he really does own everything and I'm just giving back to what he has given me, then I have to be a whole lot more open with my pocketbook than I am. I have to be a whole lot more willing to share what God has given me. If Jesus was standing next to me when I'm supposed to give that money, would I give more? Would I do it differently? Would I respond in a different way? Sometimes that's challenging because we love to hold on to the things we have. We love to hold on to what we've earned. We're not real good at realizing that what we've earned is separation from God and that everything we've gotten, that we've been given, that He has provided is a gift from him.
So I'll end this chapter, this book of Timothy, with a question that I think is probably the biggest question for us to answer. Because I believe it was what Timothy was, what Paul was asking Timothy to answer as a leader in the church. What's most important, Timothy? What's most important to you, Timothy? Is your reputation most important? Is being the best pastor most important? Is it your relationship with God that's most important? This morning, what we, we're, the yoke is up here because we're going to use it for Wednesday. And we were going to take it down and put it away. But it dawned on me that, that a lot of us are, are walking around with a yoke uh, probably just as ugly and uh, heavy and challenging in our life. My sense is this. We walk around with a lot of yokes wrapped around our necks. And we wonder why we can't, we aren't able, we're not, maybe not willing to let God work in our life. And I'm not sure who, who made it. I think Dan, Dan had something to do with it, but there's a scripture on it. It says, uh, it's a, Matthew uh, 11, 28 and 29. It says, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You will find my yoke easy and my burden light. As we close this morning, there's an opportunity for you to lay your burdens down. To quit carrying around a yoke that's probably just as big and nasty as that one. To quit carrying around the baggage of this world. See, I believe that when we talked about what we flee or fleeing, that there was something that came to your mind. There was something that you have not given to God in your life, and you need to be fleeing it. He says, flee that and pursue these things. If you want to follow me, flee that and pursue these things. And so as we sing the last song, we're going to pray, sing the last song, and I want to encourage you, if there are, if there are heavy weights in your life, burdens that you need to get rid of, I want to welcome you, encourage you to come. I'd love to pray with you. You can pray alone. I, I, I don't. I'm easy. Uh, my, my job and my encouragement is to be able to help you in those dark and hard times. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your love. Thank you for your word. Thank you for uh, Paul's Timothy, word uh, letter to Timothy. And the reminder, Lord, that you have a plan for our lives. Lord, we pray this morning for those who are struggling with the burdens of this life. Those who are struggling with the weight of this world. For those whose yoke is heavy. Lord, we pray for those who don't have a relationship with you. Who haven't made Jesus their king. We ask this morning that you would open their hearts. 
and that you would change them. In your name we pray. Amen.